I broke my toe and then it ended up getting infected. So I had to go to the hospital. They checked my heart and they found out that the heart murmur, the, the condition had worsened. And they said, you're going to have to get your heart valve replaced, which was terrifying because I was only like 41 at the time. Hi, I'm Helen Pitlick, and this is Bloodworks 101, the podcast that inspires you to give time, money, or blood. I'll admit it, like many Americans, I love true crime stories. According to a Statista study, true crime is the third most popular podcast genre, behind comedy and news, capturing 18% of U.S. podcast listeners. And no, Blood Center podcasts don't make the list. Blood comes up all the time in true crime shows, and not just in a morbid way. When forensic science was in its infancy, before DNA testing, all investigators sometimes had to go with was blood type, which wouldn't get a conviction, but could rule suspects in or out. Blood-sniffing dogs, like Ruger in season two of Bloodworks 101, help searchers find missing people. And the Pacific Northwest is a great place to live if you're fascinated by a macabre whodunit. From gruesome and prolific serial killers to enduring mysteries, like who hijacked Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305. It feels like every city and neighborhood here has a dark side. In reality, pretty much everywhere you go is like this, and Washington and Oregon are quite safe compared to many other states in the U.S. But we've produced enough high-profile cases, suspects, and writers to cement a certain reputation. The gloomy weather probably doesn't help. One of my favorite podcasts covers Pacific Northwest true crime stories almost exclusively. It's appropriately called Murder in the Rain. In 2022, the show took a brief hiatus while co-host Josh McCullough recovered from major heart surgery. I reached out to see whether Josh would be open to talking with me about his own brush with mortality. To my delight, he was. My name's uh, Josh McCullough. I've been uh, podcasting, well, people I'm podcasting with now I've been doing for a little bit over four years. And I got into it just by knowing one of the co-hosts, Alicia from Murder in the Rain. They were thinking about doing a true crime podcast, and I was the only person she knew who did anything like that. And so she she reached out to me, and and we've been going going since I think April of 2019, and now I do uh, I produce and and edit and co-host four podcasts. I'm only on two of them, but I don't know if you listen to if you like the Golden Girls, but I do a Golden Girls podcast with Alicia called Always Be My Sisters, which is like the light side of what of the podcasting that I get to do. The Murder of the Rain is you know dark. I love it. It's like my favorite thing to do, and I'm I'm. Uh, I'm so proud of the work that we get to do. And like, we got to travel two weeks ago, we went to Austin to a true crime festival, which I've never done before. And it was just, it was just great to meet that community of people. It was awesome. It's an awesome show to be a part of. And, and I'm just, I love working with Emily and Alicia. They're, they're the coolest. You guys have such a great rapport. You can tell like you guys get along when you listen. I feel like sometimes oh, yeah. with you guys, it's like, no, they actually really are friends. Well, thank you for saying that. I, I was, uh, Alicia actually just told me before I sat down to do this, that that you guys are like familiar with the show. That was such a such a great relief to know that like we were. I was already in good hands because you guys, we, you know, you, you knew us. And I appreciate. Thank you for for listening. That's uh, anytime I, I meet someone that, that listens, I'm just blown away that that actually happens. I appreciate it. 
The reason we're talking here today is I am a huge fan, but your heart, <laughs> you. your heart story and your experience with heart surgery. Mm-hmm. I guess let's start from the beginning. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so I, I found out that I had like an irregular heartbeat probably about nine or 10 years ago. And at the time, the doctor said, it's fine. It's very mild. No big deal. Don't even worry about it. Uh, and then I broke my toe and then it ended up getting infected. So I had to go to the hospital and ended up being on, on uh, IV drugs for like six weeks or something like that. But at the time, they they checked my heart and they found out that the heart murmur, the valve, I guess I think it was my atrial valve, the, the condition had worsened. And they said, you're going to have to get your heart valve replaced, which was terrifying because I was only like 41 at the time. But I mean, it was it was it was kind of amazing, though, if I hadn't broken my toe and it hadn't turned the way it did, I wouldn't have gone to the hospital. I wouldn't have found out about my heart and a couple in a couple of years, I would have just probably dropped dead. So it was like a very fortunate, <laughs> a very, very fortunate thing. And after I got that that diagnosis that I needed that I kind of hemmed and hawed about doing anything about it for a few months. But then I finally did. And they, they quickly yeah, scheduled the uh the surgery that was my first time uh having anything like that anything like that done and it was it was quite a quite an experience and the surgery was at legacy emmanuel uh, in portland northeast portland and they, they were amazing everyone every person on the staff that i interacted with everyone who helped me after the surgery the physical therapy they were just just the greatest people and they, i think they were kind of excited because i think i was one of the youngest people in that unit and so when they, when I came out of surgery that day and they were like having me do like little physical tests, I mean, I was getting great scores because I was, you know, relatively healthier than my heart. And so I was able to like put on my socks and like walk down the hall and they were like, oh, wow, because I wasn't like, you know, in my 70s or something. It was, it was a scary experience and I, I just I didn't know what it was going to be like, but I was really lucky because uh, my partner, Alicia, who's also the co-host on the show, her father has had multiple heart surgeries, open heart surgeries from when he was a, a boy. So Alicia's been around it. Her family's been around it. And so it was just, I felt very, hmm, I guess, comforted in the fact that he had survived all these surgeries and, and, and has had a, a, a great life and, and that they have they handle that, that sort of stuff with grace. So it helped me to, to kind of allay my fear a little bit. Yeah, and the surgery was great uh, as far as like, I don't remember it and it didn't really. <laughs> but yeah, I remember waking up in the hospital, coming out of anesthesia, and there was a tube coming out of my chest with material coming out of it and going into some machine on the floor. I had a catheter. I mean, my body, it looked like I'd been hit by a car. It was shocking to see that. They also, I didn't know they were going to do this, but they shaved off most of my beard, which was maybe the most surprising thing of all of it. (laughs) I'll interject to say that Josh has a magnificent fond beard. It's one of the first things you notice about him. Yeah, and the thing I I remember very distinctly is the first time Alicia saw me and she she looked at me as as if I was like a ghost because I looked so different. I mean, my face looked different. I just had a little mustache, but my body just looked beat up and I had some sort of IV or something in my neck and like, it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot to handle, but the care was so great. You know, they just took they just took excellent care of me, and and I was able to get out of there. I think in under four days, something like that, which was pretty quick. But I just was like, I have to get out of here. When I was uh, in the hospital initially for the the broken toe that got infected, I was there for six days, which I didn't expect to be. And so I was like already, <laughs> it was like yeah, it was hard. So I knew when that happened, I was going to try my best to 
to be healthy enough to get out of there soon, which helped me mentally too. When I, I got home, I instantly felt so much better. And then, and then, yeah, it was just, God, it was so nice to be home and so nice to take a shower. Are you able to describe, or, I mean, I know you weren't awake for it, but the procedure that you did have replacing oh, yeah. the valve? Yeah, so they replaced my uh, atrial heart valve with a, a mechanical valve, which I can hear ticking all the time. I don't know if it's picking up on the recording, but that does happen sometimes. They made the, the incision in my sternum and cracked that open and... Yeah, it was, it was just a few hours. You know, meeting my surgeon, I had a lot of fear leading up to that. And then I met him and I and, and his manner, he was just so like kind of kind of gentle and like soft spoken. But I could also I also looked at his hands and I could see like the fineness of his hands and how how dexterous they were. And he kind of had beautiful hands. And I saw that and that was when I knew that like I'd probably be OK. And so you just had your one-year heart anniversary, your surgery anniversary, surge anniversary. Yeah, two, uh, t- uh, two days ago. Yeah, two days ago I celebrated that. Yeah. How does that feel? Can you reflect on the past year? It, yeah, I mean, it was. I was really surprised to wake up and have it be the day. I couldn't believe it had been a year, and I also couldn't believe it had only been a year because it seems, yeah, I don't know. Somehow time has been like contracting and expanding in this time period, and it just, I don't know. It's weird, but it was. It was surprising, but I just. Um, for the past uh, few days since I since I've recognized that that it is that anniversary, I've I've just had a lot of gratitude in my heart. Um, I'm just so grateful to be alive. I'm so so grateful for all the the help that that my family and loved ones gave me, and strangers like people who know me from the show reached out, and one guy sent like a little care package to us. It was just so wonderful. I, I, it's not something I ever expect in life, but it was. As good an experience as having your your chest cut open as it, as it could be. It was as good as it could be. My understanding of open heart surgery, so I'll step back a little bit. My dad's a <laughs> pediatric cardiologist, and so oh. I, I grew up with around hearts a lot too, kind of like Alicia. And so when I was in eighth grade, take your daughter to work day, I actually got to see open heart surgery, not just Whoa. in the like operating theater, like in the operating room. And remember it just being like chest open and then the bypass machine. And so typically with bypass machines, they need to be primed with with blood, you know, donated blood before. And so I'm guessing that a a surgery of your magnitude would have required donated blood. Is that something that you were aware of or are aware of and can share with us? Yeah, I I know that, yeah, I definitely did uh, get blood uh, during the surgery. And I, I know that they told me about it before the surgery, but it just wasn't something that really I thought about or it occurred to me. And then afterwards, that was part of the information that came through was that I had had received blood. And I was, I mean, that was, I don't know. I'd always thought that would, I mean, it, I don't know. It felt good. <laughs> it felt good to know that that had happened. I don't know. It's just like a, a wonderfully human thing to like share your blood with somebody, to give it to somebody. I felt good and like connected, <laughs> connected to, to people. And like, it's amazing that that is a thing that can happen and that it does. And it worked. And I appreciate the, whoever whoever donated the blood that is uh, that, that, that helped me through that yeah we su- we supplied a legacy so it would have yeah. been a bloodwork oh. donor who would have cool. given you the blood so cool. um, thank you bloodworks yeah. <laughs> from the blood bank perspective i listen to true crime podcasts and i always think about yeah. blood you know the blood that comes into it what's your relationship with blood as a true crime podcaster you know i've always uh when you were talking about seeing uh that surgery when you were a kid that's how i felt about 
my surgeries. Like, I wish I could have been awake to watch that because I'm just fascinated by that stuff, fascinated by the human body. It's like the the surgery that I went through and like the, the trauma to my body, all of those things were things that were like planned and done expertly. You know, the sort of like damage to my body was necessary to heal my body. I think it gave me more empathy for people who have experienced pain like that, but 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 as the result of violence, just how much different that pain and that recovery and those wounds are. I can't imagine having to try to get through that pain. You know, I had painkillers. <laughs> I had I had physical therapy. I had like all these things I could do. And it was it was it was supposed to happen and it wasn't a random you know. So I guess in that way, yeah, I just I I, I I've never felt anything like that physically before. And I can't imagine having felt it at the hands of someone else in a violent way. Yeah. One thing I love about your podcast is that you guys really do advocate for victims and try to enact change, you know, like petitions, raising awareness of like, yeah. oh, hey, you know, this guy's getting paroled, like right in if you have thoughts about that. Uh, can mm -hmm. you tell me about this? Yeah, you know, and when we started, it wasn't something that was a focus for me. It wasn't something that that I particularly thought about was advocacy, advocacy for people and, and victims' rights and things like that. But through doing the show for years and having Emily and Alicia, who are, are, are just all about that sort of advocacy, it's very, I don't know, it's very inspiring to me. And it's, it's affected the way that I present the show and the way that I write and edit and everything and provided more empathy than I thought I was even capable of. <laughs> and with Bloodworks, it is sort of similar, you know, people telling like very difficult times in their life, like emotional mm -hmm. things to get the word out there and advocate for blood donations. So we are very grateful for you for taking that time to enact change for us yeah. on our behalf too. You're from Southern California, right? Did they make that up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Burbank, California. Yeah. You've been in the Pacific Northwest for a while. What does living in Portland mean to you? What does Portland mean to you? Living in, in Los Angeles, it's like, to me, the opposite. I moved here in 2007, kind of before the big Portland boom that happened. And I got to experience a couple of years of that real uh, Portland, and I think the Pacific Northwest in general has a small town feel to it, regardless of kind of where you are, even, well, eh, not Seattle so much, but but <laughs> but Portland and like, you know, there's just so many places that, that feel the way. And even if you are in Seattle, it's like, there's a pretty decent chance you'll either see or like maybe run into someone that you know. Somehow it feels like a small place. And I really love that. It doesn't have the sprawl. It's not as disconnected. I mean, and it's just a, it's a beautiful place. And I'm, I, yeah, very lucky to live here. But I was thinking about the Pacific Northwest and true crime. And, you know, we're known for what? Like rain coffee serial killers or something. Yeah, how yeah. Does, how does living here inspire your work? In, in good and bad ways, there's, you know, well, I guess it's all bad ways, but there are, there's so much uh, of that type of crime, uh, murder, serial killings, abductions, assaults. There's a limitless pool that we can pull from. I mean, we talk about that, the, the three of us, the hosts of the show talk about it all, all the time that we have, each of us have a running list of crimes that we're going to cover, cases we'll cover at some point, and mine is like 40 cases. Emily's is 80. We have a master list of like 130 or something like that. So it's kind of like living here. It's a part of, I think it's a part of living here, you know? And I, I mean, I think there's a, a kind of current serial killer investigation happening in Portland now, I believe. And it's like, it's always, yeah, it's just always here. Inescapable, I 
guess. For sure. And really scary. I'm going to lock my doors extra tight tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you should. This is a question that came from a coworker of mine who's also a huge true crime fan. Um, cool. What unsolved case do you want solved the most? Ooh, I think it would be very cool to to see DB, the D.B. Cooper case solved. I think one is, I mean, though he did, you know, terrorize the people on the plane that he hijacked. That was awful. But like the the details of what he did are seem are unbelievable. Like you, if you saw them in a movie, you kind of well, you maybe would now, but at the time you wouldn't believe it in the seventies. So, and the fact that they never found him, none of the money was ever spent allegedly. Like all of that, it's just such a it's a a great enduring mystery. Uh, and actually, I was looking at. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that you that this was on that this question was coming up. Um, I looked up a picture of DB Cooper just to like refresh myself with it, and then I had to send a, uh, an, an image of him to my sister because I was like, I think my dad, our dad, might be DB Cooper. If you just like put a mustache on DB Cooper, like the sketch of him, it looks pretty similar. But I'm, it's not him, but it looks a lot like him. So, <laughs> so yeah, DB Cooper for sure. And so, is there anything else that you'd like to add? I was hoping you would say D.B. Cooper, not going to lie. Oh, um, awesome. Um, <laughs> That's cool. But is there anything else you want to add that we haven't covered? Reflections hmm. on your heart surgery, living in the Pacific Northwest, donating blood. Oh, I guess, um, you know, I think you, you said it so beautifully earlier. You know, if you could say anything to the person or people who donated blood to you, what would it be? Yeah, I mean, thank you for your generosity and for taking the time out of your life to sit and give blood. I know that's not probably fun or easy, but uh, you're saving lives, and and uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm proud of you for doing that, blood blood donator. And uh, it's and I I I want I would like to do that. I've never d donated blood, but I would like to. That's my message for me to you. <laughs> Is there anything cool. else that you know that you want to add that we haven't haven't discussed? I think that Murder in the Raid would probably like to be involved in like a blood drive in some way. If you guys, I don't know if you all do that, but we would love to participate or promote it or anything. And and I know that at least a couple of us would definitely give blood. I'm sure all of us, but definitely a couple. So yeah, that's what I would say. Let's 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 get some some blood donated. I would that'd be fun. Yeah, the the folks who work down there, they're a super fun bunch. And so I think that awesome. a murder in the blade, murder in the rain blood drive would be really, really fun. Well, right. thank you again so much. Congratulations on your one year heart anniversary. Keep on making great episodes. And <laughs> I really appreciate the time that you took to chat with me today. Oh, yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you for uh, for talking to me. It was so amazing to talk with Josh. What a nice guy. And just goes to show that you should meet your heroes and a great example of how you never know when you'll need donated blood, even when you're 41 and otherwise healthy. Thanks again for listening to Bloodworks 101, and check out Murder in the Rain, or for something lighter, always be my sisters. We'll see you next time. Uh, I need to change some sort of setting here. Oh, yeah. Mm, so there we go, settings. Okay, here we go. How's that? Hey, good, perfect. I actually love that we're having some technical difficulties because you guys always do the outtakes and I was like, oh, what if this interview goes perfect and we don't have any outtakes to include at the end? So um, it's impossible. There's no yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so can you hear me? Oh, there you are. Okay, cool. All right. Sorry, I was awesome. muted. 
did I answer your question? I'm so sorry. I'm like super scatterbrained. I think I'm nervous. I've, I've been a little nervous too. Like I said, I do listen to you guys and I love your show. And um, was was trying not to, you know, fangirl a little bit. So thank you. For <laughs> super easy from my perspective. Oh, sure. 